coming up on the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. What I try to teach people to do is know that the number one authority for you is you (laughs) and the way you feel like, you know, for example, I'm going to go back to my experience with keto. I read everything that was out there. Of course, remember this is 2014. So, you know, that'll help you see what was out there, but I read everything that was out there. I fully bought into the the science behind why this was going to work for me. And I was convinced and then my body hated it. Mm. And, you know, people are like, well, you just weren't doing it right. Well, no, my body really didn't like it. I'm telling the, the truth there. Then I, I reintroduced carbs, started doing intermittent fasting and the weight started to come off. And I immediately felt better, you know, with the, with the addition of carbs, I felt so much better and went on to lose all the weight I wanted to lose while eating carbs the whole time. Hello, and welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I'm Brian Grin, and I'm here to give you actionable tips to get your body back to what it once was 5, 10, even 15 years ago. Each week, I'll give you an in-depth interview with a health expert from around the world to cut through the fluff and get you long-term sustainable results. This week, I interviewed New York Times bestselling author and podcast host, Jen Stevens. She's just releasing her new book, Cleanish, and Cleanish leads readers to focus on real foods and a healthier home environment free of toxins without fixating on perfection. So in this interview, we discussed the importance of having a true why when it comes to losing weight, how to avoid paralysis of analysis, her hybrid fasting approach, and the importance of crowding out processed foods. This was my second time around with Jin. I really enjoyed it. I know you will too. And thanks so much for listening and enjoy the show. All right. Welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. My name is Brian Grin, and I have a special guest the, the second time around, Jen Stevens. Welcome to the show. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. And I love that you know, the second part of your podcast name is Eat Clean. Today, we're going to be Eat Clean-ish, right? <laughs> exactly. We're going to say a lot of issues today. There you um, go. Mainly because Jen is coming out with a new book, uh, which she sent to me. Very nice. And uh, it is called Cleanish. Right? I have it right yes. here. So yeah, there it is. That. I love the way that cover turned out. Does I got to have cool. a lot of input in that, which was nice. And I was like, no, no, no. And <laughs> then I got to make suggestions. I loved the whole part of that. Yeah, I think it looks great. And um, my first question for you is what, what did you learn um, most about writing a book? I, we know this is probably a big undertaking. I mean, this is quite the book. This is over, you know, almost 400 pages. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) It's quite a book. It's a lot of information. It's not my first time at this book writing rodeo. It's really funny. If we go back, I wrote my first book in 2016, Delay Don't Deny. And that was, um, you know, I self-published that one. It's quite a different process to self-publish versus going through a traditional publisher. Now I'm not going to really admit out loud how quickly I wrote Delay Don't Deny, but let's just say from I I mean, I did a lot of like thinking about it over time, right? But from actual sitting down with my computer to having it out in the world was not as long as you might think. It just Mm kind of flowed out of me. I put it out there. I was trying to get it out by January 1st. Mm -hmm. So bam, there it was. And, um, but the process of writing a book with a traditional publisher, you know, I, I, we actually started first talking about cleanish in like, okay, what year is it now? It's hard to yeah, what are we in, in 2020. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The whole, everything's a blur. So in 2020, right. we started getting the idea together and then finally got the, you know, it's a go to write it um, from my publisher. And 
I mean, this book, I started really, really, really digging into the research in January of, um, I mean, I started doing, putting some outlining together and I had it kind of mapped out before that, but really digging right. in, in January of 2021. And it was due by March 31st. Oh so I was I had to work really, really a lot on it, but I also was late turning it in, which for a teacher like me, that's hard to admit because mm. I like, I like deadlines, but they were okay with it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so you had about three months to put it together. So it ended up being about three and a half. Three and and a the, half the good thing is we turn in your first draft, you still have time to, you know, go in and make changes and, um, you know, make it better all along the way. Like the version you got from the publisher is an early reader copy. So like the formatting isn't right. It still has more typos, but it goes through a lot of eyes. Look at it between, you know, when I turned it in in April and um, now. So, and I'm curious that there's a forward by Dr. Tim Spector, yes. who's the author of spoon fed and what, what is his you know, what does he do with this book? Does he just go through it and help you with it? Or how does that? No, work? he just write the forward. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. He is um, somebody that I've looked up to since before I write my first book. I read his first book, The Diet Myth in probably, it might've been 2015. And so it was right when I, I had lost the weight that I needed to lose. I lost um, um, over 80 pounds altogether with intermittent fasting from 14 to 15. But I read his book, The Diet Myth, because I was really reading, you know, just anything I could get my hands on. I was, you know, now like really loving to learn about my body and foods and all of that. Right. And he, um, his background, first of all, he's done a lot of work with twins, identical twins, hmm. some of his research, which I've always found to be fascinating. You know, like the stories of identical twins separated at birth and they meet up, you know, 50 years later and they each have a white fence around a tree and their wife's name is Betty or something, <laughs> you know? Right. So I've always been fascinated by the role of genetics in our life, but he also studies the gut microbiome. So really um, it was the first I had read about the gut microbiome. And he also talked a little bit about fasting in there. So I was like, Oh, okay. So I was like, I really like what he has to say. So when his next book came out, sorry, my phone's ringing. I'm going to turn that off. When is my husband? I'll talk to him later. Yeah. When my, um, when my, um, well, when his next book came out, Spoon Fed, mm -hmm. I read that one and he goes even into more detail. And so I was following his work. Well, he's doing something um, now called the predict studies where they're trying to figure out, you know, the whole concept of bio-individuality and that our bodies are all different when it comes to how we react to things. And it, it's, it's right. an interplay between, uh, yes, our genetics, that plays a role, but the gut microbiome plays an even more powerful role. So with the PREDICT studies, they're really um, looking at individuals you know, analyzing the gut microbiome, looking at, you know, using a continuous glucose monitor to see how your body responds to what you eat. You know, how quickly does your body clear fat? How quickly does your body um, clear glucose after you eat? All of those are predictors of, you know, what foods are going to work well for you. So I was aware of his work and actually participated in um, predict three through their Zoe program. And, um, Turns out they, like, I didn't like do it as Jen Stevens. I just did it as a person. I'm like, I'm just going to sign up for this. I'm going to do it. And I did it. Well, they figured out who I was, I guess. And mm. so I like, they sent me an email and they're like, we would like to have a special, you know, talk with you about your results. And when we were having the conference call, I was like, do you do this with everybody? They're like, no, <laughs> we do it with you. And oh. I'm like, well, nice to meet you. I didn't even know. It was kind of funny. But from that, we, you know, started partnering up because I recommend the, the Zoe um, program to everybody. And um, they're like, would you like to officially work with us as, you know, like an affiliate and, you know, talk about how we can promote it. And I'm like, well, I would love that. And um, 
in the meantime, then, you know, the people I was talking to, like, know Tim, right? They work with Tim. And so on one call, I was like, you know, I'm working on a book. This is like last spring. I'm working on a new book. And it really seems like something that that he would like. I wonder if he would write the foreword for yeah. it. You know, oh, so I, you just asked him. Okay. I just asked. And yeah. the the um the the person who worked with him very very closely was like I'll talk to him and see what he says and then he agreed to do it and so um, when it got to the point that I'd already written Cleanish I, I sent a copy to him it was an electronic copy at that point and I was like what if he hates mm-hmm. <laughs> but but he didn't and he did write the forward and so that was just exciting because he's a real you know hard scientist doing the research that I really look up to and so for him to find value in the book and um and like it that was you know I don't know but this is just garbage Jen I don't know no yeah. <laughs> but he didn't say that so that that was good um so that was a long answer to your question what did you gain from the um the studies that that you did with him for your that's on a yourself? that's a great question um I learned that First of all, no surprise, my body does not clear fat well. And so if I eat too much fat, it's inflammatory for my body. That did not surprise me at all because I never felt great when I did a low carb, high fat kind of eating like keto made me feel inflamed and awful. And it makes sense too much fat for my body. We're not all the same, but I also learned I don't clear um, the sugar very well, either blood glucose, like my body doesn't clear that quickly. So it just helped me to realize, well, it made sense also why, you know, when, even when I was a little girl, if I ate, you know, like too many sweets, I could feel that blood sugar crash and my body just doesn't do well with that. So I just have to be more intentional. Really. It's all about how you combine the foods and that, that might, you know, harken back to crazy food combining diets from like the past, but it just means like, if I eat, something that's higher carb also having the fat and the protein with it slows the absorption it just has to do with how your body processes it like you know if i drink straight sugar that's very different than if i have you know something that has more protein with it anyway right and that probably goes for most people absolutely yeah um but it is interesting how you say you don't clear fat as well Mm -hmm. um because you know obviously keto the the keto diet's the big craze now and, you know, for someone like myself, I would say I do eat on the, you know, I would say I have probably more, more fat than normal, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I feel great with it, but yeah. Like you, yeah. Right. Yeah. Not- that's, that's bio-individuality. And I a hundred percent believe people who feel great on it and say that they do. But when I was trying to do it, this is before I lost all the weight with intermittent fasting, it was 2014. I, you know, was in on Facebook at that time, joined a bunch of keto groups and the, the advice was, well, just keto harder. If you're not feeling good, you're doing it wrong. Right. And knowing now that, you know, actually, no, I wasn't doing it wrong. Cause I'm, I can follow rules really well, but I felt so bad, but now it makes sense why I felt so bad. And honestly, the crazy low fat diets that I didn't really do very well back in the nineties, I lost great on a low fat diet. Mm-hmm. So of course I was doing it really wrong. I was doing the whole ultra process, you know, eat the snack wells. If y'all yeah, remember I was just that. reading about them. I remember those snack well cookies. <laughs> yeah. My mom bought those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They were free foods because they had no fat. And no, that also is wrong. You know, yeah. they're all that was a very ultra processed, heavy <laughs> way to do the diet. And when you actually go back and read those low-fat books from the 90s they were not encouraging snack wells and SpaghettiOs. They were like, eat real food, mm. just not as much fat. So I'm like, oh, I ignored all that part. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people did. Yeah. I think a lot of people did. And, uh, and you talk about in the book, um, 
just getting back to that because I was I, I went through it. I didn't get to read the whole thing because I've had it for a few days. But yeah, some some of the highlights. I, this quote I, I I took from it: "The goal of the book is to teach and remind you of the why and help you develop your how." Yeah. And I really like that because I think a lot of times that gets lost in all this. Oh well, what should I eat? When should I eat? You know, it, it, and you get sort of confused. But if you really don't have a true reason why you're actually doing the things that you're doing for your health, then you're, it's, it's tough to make any progress. That's a hundred percent true. You know, my background, you know, this about me, I was an elementary teacher for 28 years. I taught kids and, you know, I know that when the kids, for example, understood why they were doing what they were doing, whether you're teaching them math or teaching them to raise their hands. I mean, you know, it's everything when they understand the, why they're more motivated to, to stick with something. So everything that I write is from that point of view of, I'm going to teach you the important things that you need to know. And then you're going to know why you're going to do those things. And then you're going to be more likely to do them. You know, like in the whole process of getting cleanish, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can make food lists, tell you what to eat, what not to eat, when to eat it, whatever. That's not going to give you meaningful change. Right. But when you start understanding why you're like, Oh, Hmm artificial sweeteners disrupt my gut microbiome to the degree that they actually make, it makes it hard for me to lose weight down the line. Oh, now that's, now I understand why I probably should avoid artificial sweeteners. They're not like this magical, helpful thing that we've been told they were because they actually damage our gut microbiomes. So when you understand the why, I mean, that's, you're like, okay, well, I don't want that. Right. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. And, um, you know, I think another thing that I found from the book is you talk a little bit about like paralysis of analysis yeah, as well. Like, uh, and I think that's more and more prevalent today because I think every other day something new comes out or there's like a new opinion or there's a study that probably doesn't have any much basis behind it, but it's out there. And, uh, so, you know, you, even myself, you know, being in the health industry for so long, I, sometimes I, I'm like, well, you know, one person just said, talked so great about fiber and another person just talked it down. (laughs) You could really, I mean, you know, you got, you know, Paul Saladino with carnivore and and talking about how, you know, perhaps you don't need fiber. And then, you know, I'm just reading, looking at your book and some other, I just got, I don't know if you've read a book called metabolical. Have you heard this? I've not read metabolical, but uh, my co-host on the intermittent fasting podcast, I think she interviewed him for her podcast. She, she has one called the Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast. I think she interviewed him. Yeah. 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 It's a, I really do enjoy the book, but he's big into fiber and it's just like, you know, you just have these differing opinions. So there can be a little bit of paralysis of analysis, like which way to go. Um, how do you go about, you know, sort of, uh, not getting, you know, too caught up in every other opinion out there. (laughs) You know, that's really huge. And what I try to teach people to do is know that the number one authority for you is you (laughs) and the way you feel like, you know, for example, I'm gonna go back to my experience with keto. I read everything that was out there. Of course, remember this is 2014. So, you know, that'll help you see what was out there, but I read everything that was out there. I fully bought into the the science behind why this was going to work for me. And I was convinced. And then my body hated it. And, you know, people are like, well, you just weren't doing it right. Well, no, my body really didn't like it. I'm telling the, the truth there. Then I, I reintroduced carbs, started doing intermittent fasting and the weight started to come off. And I immediately felt better, you know, with the, with the addition of carbs, I felt so much better and went on to lose all the weight I wanted to lose. 
while eating carbs the whole time. So, you know, for someone to say, for example, no one needs carbs, which I've heard that I've heard people say, and that's like kind of the mantra in the keto world. There is no requirement for carbs in the human body. Uh, you don't need them. Well, well, my brain chemistry needs them. I feel better when I eat them. I feel satisfied when I eat. When I was eating keto, I never one time felt like I was satisfied from, from eating. And you can trust your body. And, and I, I knew I didn't feel good. And I also wasn't losing any weight. So I think it's just, you know, getting rid of that noise and giving yourself permission to eat and figure out what feels good to you. Right. You know, the whole idea of fiber, I talk about this in cleanish a bit and whether fiber works well for your gut or not has a lot to do with the health of your gut and what lives in your gut. You know, and if we eat the standard American diet, which so many of us, you know, have eaten over the years and, and, you know, it's, it's the, the mainstay of, of most people in America. Right. And if you're eating the standard American diet, that damages your gut absolutely over time, you know, all the processed foods, you know, it's, it's the standard American diet is a very low fiber diet in general. Most Americans are not getting very much fiber and you have all the chemicals in there, which also damage your gut. Then you end up with a very unhealthy gut microbiome um, profile in general. So now let's say someone with a very unhealthy gut decides they're going to just change everything and they're going to eat like, I don't know, maybe you're going to be whole food, vegan, whatever you start eating that way. Oh, and you feel terrible and it makes your gut feel worse. And well, that's because you're in a place where your gut is not healthy and maybe you feel fabulous. Let's just say carnivore. You're just eating meat and you don't feel that digestive upset, but that's a function of the fact that your gut has been damaged based on possibly decades of poor dietary choices. So it's a matter of adding it back in, more gradually, a healthy gut does tolerate a variety of things. You know, a healthy gut can tolerate foods that our ancestors were eating, you know, go back and what were your ancestors eating? They were not eating hundred percent meat. I guarantee it. (laughs) You know, even Mm. in places um, like the Arctic, you know, with the, the Inuit have been like um, held up as like, well, look, they're so healthy. They just eat a lot of, you know, keto-y kind of a thing. But in the seasons where they could eat plant foods, they did. They, they ate them when they were available. Right. right. So, you know, natural populations ate in all sorts of different ways and were healthy. They, you know, there were, there are populations that lived, you know, in the tropics and ate like hundred percent carbs practically, and they were very, very healthy, but they were eating real foods real foods, and it's right. just a matter of, of, yeah, real food. It really comes down to real foods. And also, like I just said, an unhealthy gut an unhealthy body may not tolerate all real foods, but you really can, you know, build back up that tolerance for a lot of things. Does that mean every food works for everybody forever and ever? No. Yeah, I completely agree. It does come down to like sort of a self-experimentation because I can remember for a while, I used to have like a big salad with some type of protein in the middle of the day. And I, it actually like, I, it slowed me down quite a bit. And so Mm -hmm. I actually backed off a little bit on that and went a little bit more protein fat combination, maybe eggs and avocado. And I I felt like I, I, like I, that sustained energy throughout the day kept going as opposed to feeling like it sort of weighed me down and who's, you know, eating a, a nice big salad with a good protein is, is, you know, technically a healthy meal for right. most people, for most people, some people can't tolerate it as much as others, but you have to sort of, you know, try both. 
mm-hmm. and see how you feel. You know, maybe don't try it for a day, maybe try it for a week. It's almost like the saying, you know, like if you're, if you're like Brad Kearns talks about, you know, if you're having these meals and you're getting up, you know, gas and an upset stomach, well, something's going on, <laughs> right? That you really shouldn't be having it. I always, you know, so like you said, just keep an eye on how you're feeling or, you know, things mm-hmm. like dairy and stuff. Some, some people can tolerate, some people can't. You know, dairy is an interesting conversation because um, really probably only about 25% of us are genetically able to handle dairy well. Right. And it has to do with whether you're lactase persistent or not. And um, it goes way back to your ancestors. Again, we know what dairy is. Dairy is food for babies of mammals. That's what it was designed for. And so we have the enzyme lactase that shuts off after we get out of babyhood and then we get into adulthood. But for about 25% of us, our ancestors relied on dairy as part of their diet. And so your lactase persistent as you go through life, meaning you can still, you can still digest it well, tolerate it into adulthood. And I mean, I've had my DNA analyzed. I am lactase persistent, which is exciting. I can eat dairy. And when I say dairy works well for me and I feel great, it's true. But for, you know, the 75% of people that are not when dairy causes them problems, that is also true. So it's, it's just when people make blanket statements, like, yeah, dairy is just for babies. It's just for, you know, it's not for adult humans that, well, that might, they might feel really bad from it and it's not for them, but that doesn't mean it's universal. Yeah. And have you tried raw dairy? You know, I live in a state where we can't get it. Okay. I'm so sad. I I would like, I mean, actually, I actually have tried it. If I go back to my childhood, I remember, um, you know, a friend of mine had, her dad was a dairy farmer in Virginia. Mm. So there was raw dairy. Let me tell you, once you go raw dairy, you're not going to want to go back to regular. I believe it. Yeah. Yes. Cause, um, we got some, uh, I just tried it a few weeks ago. We drove, there's a farm like 45 minutes outside Chicago. Mm -hmm. And I, and, and we actually waited in line. If it tells you, we waited in line and, and then we were like, like the last person, they have only a certain amount to give right. out every day They we almost missed the cutoff. I'm like if we missed the cutoff <laughs> after waiting <laughs> in line, after waiting in line outside in the cold, um, but we made it and we got, uh, you know, we got our, you know, first try at raw dairy. And I will say, I, I want to, I'm, I'm definitely going to go back. It doesn't, you know, obviously last that long. Right. So about a week like food is not supposed to last for right that's not it's like a telltale sign that something's you know good yeah i saw on instagram the other day someone had happy birthday mcdonald's meal and it was an 11 year old cheeseburger and fries that her daughter had used in a science project 11 years ago oh wow and it looks exactly like like she just had it last week like, you oh know, you would God. expect a week old burger to look a little dehydrated and maybe dried up if you found a fry under your car seat. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. This is 11 years old and it looked like. So wait, they kept it for 11 yes, years. It's the, they've they... had it for 11 years. So happy every birthday. Year. Yeah. Every year they wish it happy birthday. So, but it looks oh the same God. as it did 11 years ago. And so that tells us right there. I mean, do you think that that is good for your body to go through? Like it has so many preservatives and chemicals in it that it literally doesn't rot. And so now think about what that does to your gut. Our gut is alive and the gut bacteria that live there are, 
it's so, they're like, you know, so many of them down there that have to, and now we're putting these chemicals in there that are keeping a burger fresh. Well, not fresh, but right. Yeah. <laughs> I would need it, but you know what I mean? No, I hear you. Yeah. I mean, um, that's a good way, sort of a good uh, rule of thumb is if it, if it, if it lasts more than, I don't know, a week, it's right. probably not good for you. If right. it lasts for 11 years sitting there, it's really <laughs> not good for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Another, another highlight from the book that I wanted to talk about was um, your, uh, you mentioned something about a hybrid fasting approach. Um, I thought that was interesting. I think you talked about maybe like an every other day um, uh, protocol. What, what was the basis behind that? Yep. Cleanish is not a fasting book. It has one chapter on, on fasting because, um, that's our, one of our body's best self-cleaning mechanisms. So I, you know, right. I, fasting is just one of them, but you know, I've lived an intermittent fasting lifestyle since 2014, and there's so many different ways you can structure it. There tends to be two main approaches, one time restricted eating, which is the daily eating window approach. And that's what I do, um, now um, but there, there's other approaches like alternate daily fasting. Some people might've heard of the every other day diet. That was a book that came out a while back. Um, also, you know, maybe five, two, which was very popular in the UK, especially because, um, Dr. Michael Mosley lives in the UK and he was on TV promoting the five, two diet. So if you're in, if you're in the UK, you've probably heard of five, two, it wasn't quite as big here in America, but people tend to think of you're either going to do time restricted eating and have a daily eating window. Or you're going to do five, two or four, three or every other day, but you can actually mix them up together. You know, with five, two, for example, there were two days where you fasted and the other five were eat normally, normally. Um, in the every other day diet or the alternate daily fasting. It was fast day, eat day, fast day, eat day. And you just kept doing that. Mm -hmm. So people think, well, you're either going to do this, or you're going to do that, but you, you can put them together in kind of a hybrid approach. It's just wording that I, I came up with. And, um, there's no like scientific, like hybrid <laughs> approach studies, right? right. <laughs> but you know, you can, you can put them together. So the rule of thumb is based on the research we know about alternate daily fasting after every fast day or down day, they had what's called an up day where you are not having a restrictive eating day, you know, participants in the research, ate about 125% of their daily caloric needs on their up days. Mm -hmm. So that's really important. They found that that kept the metabolism going strong. So if you have a full fast for, let's say 36 hours, the next day should be an up day where you're eating, you know, more than your body needs, because that that's, you know, what's protective of your metabolic rate in general after, you know, longer fasting, but then the day after the up day, you might have, you know, a five hour eating window, you know, doing time restricted eating. Mm -hmm. And then maybe the day after that you have, you know, four hour eating window or a seven hour eating window or whatever. It's fine to switch it up. Then maybe you want to have another down day or the, the, another 36 hour fast. Then the next day would be an up day. So you just keep sprinkling, sprinkling them all together. The only rule that I would really think people should follow is after any down day, have an up day. But then the other days can be what, what you prefer. So it's kind of a hybrid approach. And a lot of people really love it. In my community, we have something that I don't follow it, but it's Mealless Monday. Mm. Um, one, of, one of my group moderators, Roxy, um, she started having Mealless Monday and kind of encouraging people to try a longer fast on Monday just if it felt good. 
So yeah. mealless Monday became a thing. And then Tuesday was an update, but not for everybody. Just if you wanted to, then the rest of the week could be what you wanted, but I like to eat every day. So I don't, <laughs> I don't have a mealless Monday. I'm also not trying to lose weight. So, yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing is like, I get the question a lot. They're like, Oh, well, you know, can I fast from this time to this time? And for the most part, I said, yes, like, um, or can I eat from this time to this time? There's really not a perfect way. It's no. similar to like what we talked about for eating. It's sort of a self-experimentation when it comes mm -hmm. to fasting. And I think most importantly is have it fit like whatever your day's like that day uh, or that, or whatever your week is like, like, for example, we were just traveling and, um, not the longest flight, whatever, three hour flight, but travel days are longer days. And it just worked out that I ended up just fasting the whole day. Yeah. Um, and I just, in my mind, I had it. I'm like, you know, this will be a perfect time to do an ex you know, a little bit of an extended fast. And I, I did one and it was, and it just worked out great. The fact that I was, you know, flying and in places where I probably shouldn't be eating their food anyways. Um, <laughs> so, so, you know, I think if you just, I think with fasting, I think if you just make it dictate what your day's like and whether that's activity level, or if you're traveling, um, I think that's just a good rule of thumb to go by. And if you're really busy, I actually think it's a great time to do some, to do some fasting and, yeah. um, and skip a meal or two. It's true. You know, this, this week, you know, right now I'm, I'm at our little beach cottage. I'm here with my son, but two days before we came, I was recording podcasts until probably 6 PM. Um, and so it was a very busy day. So yeah. I didn't eat until after 6 PM that day. Cause I was very busy. I don't like to eat and then record podcasts. Cause I'm a little, not quite as mentally sharp after I, yeah. after I eat. But, <laughs> um, so that day I didn't eat till, till after six. And then when I came to the beach that day, we drove down my son and I, yeah, it's a day three and a half, four. It was a four hour, um, drive that day because yeah. I mean, they're doing some road construction on I-20 never fun. But, um, so we sat in traffic for a while. And again, I was like, well, you know, we did our grocery shopping. So we were ready at the, at the, at the, while we were going to be here. And then we didn't get to dinner until it was again, probably six 30. So I had fasted until then. So then yesterday, after having two days with longer fasts, I was like, right. you know, I'm, I'm ready to open my window a little earlier. So we went and we had something around, um, around like lunchtime kind yeah. of a thing. And it just, it, so I'm going to, you know, I had two meals yesterday right. and, a, and a longer, probably my eating window was nine hours. Whereas right. the days before it had been like, you know, two, one hour, one hour. Right. Yeah. It was like, you know, I opened it, I ate my meal and then it, I was done for the day for two mm. days in a row. So it's all about being flexible. And I felt fabulous, you know, fasting longer on those days. Mm -hmm. And then I also, yesterday, my body was like, you know, it'd be good to open a little earlier today. I was a little hungrier. And so I needed <laughs> to eat a little more, but you learn how to listen. Right. Right. You talk about, yeah, it's like intuitive, you hear the word intuitive eating, Yeah. but and I always say, the more you fast, you become, you become more in tune with your hunger hormones and, and what true hunger is and what true satiety is. It's true. I think, you know, all the constant eating, you know, that, that I used to do before fasting really disconnected me from my hunger and satiety hormones. I tried intuitive eating before I was an intermittent faster. I read all those books. I, you know, I told you mm. I was reading everything back then. I read all of the books. And again, it made so much sense. I'm like, this is going to be my answer. Mm. So I put away my scale. I always ask myself, am I hungry? The answer was always, yeah. Right. Whatever I asked myself, are you hungry? Yeah. So I would eat. And so I, um, intuitively ate myself up to 210 pounds. 
And that was the most recent thing I had been doing. And then I got on the scale and I was 210 pounds. I was like, okay, intuitive eating is not working for me. I am 0% intuitive at this point. But a funny thing happened. The longer I, I did intermittent fasting, I consider myself to be an intuitive eater now, but it's within the paradigm of intermittent fasting. And the thing that makes me a little sad is that the intuitive eating community absolutely rejects intermittent fasting as a whole. Like really? Yes. In general, like a guy, um, I can't think of, I can't think of the author's name. Um, I can't I, off the top of my head, the, the book intuitive fasting. Have you heard of intuitive fasting? Yeah. 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 I, I think I know who you're talking about. But... Is it, is it Cole, Dr. Yeah. Ryan? Is Will, it Ryan Will, Cole? I don't William know. Cole, William Whatever. Cole, yeah. I, anyway, Cole, I think is his last name. I'm sorry. I apologize. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but okay. you know, I thought, oh, what a beautiful title intuitive fasting, yeah, because that's very I, much what I feel like I do. But then when it came out, it was just like the people came out of the woodwork and gave it terrible reviews, hadn't even read it, but they were like, this is not intuitive. This is bad. This is hmm. dieting. And it was the intuitive eating community just slammed it. And it made me really sad that we, we could work together and realize that these two approaches to me really do work together. I've never felt hmm. more intuitive than I do now. So, yeah, it's interesting. And, um, one of the things I found from your book as well was you talk about crowding out. And I, yeah. I, I really like that as like, it's sort of a, it's like a little hack. I think that I talked with uh, Dr. Ted Naiman recently on the podcast and, you know, he mentioned like he, he eats junk sometimes, but yeah, he does it at the end, you know, like, you know, you always hear about dessert at the end, but like, like I think your example in the book maybe had to do with chips or something, but yeah, chips, that's my thing. We've got <laughs> chips here now. And I'm like, all right, I had a few, yeah. <laughs> cause my, we bought them for my son, but and yeah. God forbid, you know, yeah. it was fun. We were on vacation. I took, you know, my wife and I, we're, we're not, we don't have a ton of carbs and I, I, and she was eating chips and I was just giving her a hard time just, you know, and, and fun. And she actually cut her mouth on the chip. Oh, said, there's what had, she was bleeding. I said, that's yeah. what happens. <laughs> Yeah. Eat the chips. <laughs> I dropped a pina colada. I was at a conference in Arizona in October, standing next to a well-known diet guru whose name oh. you would probably recognize. And, you know, she doesn't eat gluten, dairy, um, sugar. And I was having just a pina colada, just straight up a pina yeah. colada. And I dropped it on her feet, right? Oh, no. <laughs> you know, yeah. right there at the pool. Bam. It went everywhere. I, you know how that feels when you're like, okay, embarrassing. But right. she's like, you shouldn't have been drinking that anyway. Yeah, right. And I like, it was funny. That's and funny. you know, she's not mad at me about it, but anyways, like revenge of the pina colada. Yeah. Right. You dropped a sugar drink on the, sh- on, the on the, on the, on the no sugar purse. The- she's lovely though. So it wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let's talk about crowding out. What, okay. The philosophy behind that is I'll let you explain it since. All right. I actually heard the wording, first of all, from I um, went through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition um, just because I wanted to really, you know, have, have a credential of some sort in the, the food and nutrition world. And they have a health coaching program and I really liked their philosophy. So like, I'm going to go through this and see what they have to say. I and I too. loved it. Hmm? Yeah, I, I did too back 
years. Did you ago. go through Institute yeah, yeah, for Integrative Nutrition? Yeah, oh, I don't know ago. if I knew that. Did I know that? Yeah, about you? I think we, okay, maybe when we forget. originally talked. Yeah, I might. I, I my brain is like full. Things come <laughs> out. So anyway, but I loved their program because they're very much about you know bio individuality also, and yeah. like they talk about a lot of different things. But the whole idea of crowding out is something that really. Um, that they used that wording as I was going through it. And I'm like, that really makes sense. And it's just, again, like you said, you know, have the dessert last, you've eat the, the, we, we need to eat for nutrition. Our bodies need the nutrients. And I didn't even really, I mean, I know that might sound dumb. You know, we, we grew up hearing that take your vitamin, that's all you need. You need these vitamins. But really when I was researching for cleanish, we need foods from plants, all those phytochemicals and all the nutrients, all the things that we're getting from our foods, we don't even know what they all are. So it's very important that we're putting in these highly nutritious foods, whatever, whatever that looks like to your dietary paradigm, you know, whether you're eating organ meats because you're Mm -hmm. carnivore or whatever that looks like the highly nutritious foods go in first. And because that's what our bodies are looking for. You know, our bodies don't count calories. They look for nutrients. And so, you know, if I drove through the golden arches, you know, I have a story in fast feast repeat where one day I did, I had, I think I had a big Mac and I had fries and I had a Coke and that's, that's sufficient calories. That's a lot of energy, right. Coming into your body. But I spent the whole rest of the evening wandering around the kitchen because I just wasn't satisfied. And I'm like, you know, this is really my body saying that wasn't what we were looking for, you know? And so if you've ever eaten a lot of junk food and then just felt like you needed to keep eating, that's because your body is not nutritionally satisfied. So when you focus on the highly nutritious foods, your body is going to be satisfied. Then you can have in that at the end that ice cream or whatever, but you're not going to like want to eat the whole gallon because you're satisfied from the nutritious foods you had. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. And, um, you know, you also talk about, well, I've talked about it before is prioritizing protein, I think is, yeah. is, is really as the basis around each meal. Cause most people, and I even think I do to some degree under eat protein. Um, you know, I'm active and, uh, I have a meal to two meals and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, how much, you know, if I'm going to get a pound per body, weight or per lean mass, <laughs> that's, let's just say that's, a, you know, I'm, I weigh 170. Let's say I, if I, my goal was 150 grams of protein. I mean, I got to really, really look hard to find, you know, that, that amount of protein and put that in my diet. And especially as you get older, because you don't absorb it as well either. Right. You know, I, I'm a big fan of the protein leverage hypothesis. I'm sure you're familiar with that one. Yeah. Yeah. And that's again, like I just was talking about our bodies, let us know the protein leverage hypothesis states that you will keep eating if you haven't had enough protein because your body is searching for the amount of protein that it needs. So if you haven't given it sufficient protein, you will keep eating and want more and more and more until you've you've met that protein need. And I love the whole idea that our body is wise and that we can listen to those signals. I was sick. Um, at the the end of beginning of November, I had a fever and I just Mm. didn't have much of an appetite. So I really couldn't eat a lot. Meat was not attractive to me at all. I was like, I just don't, uh, I was eating like eggs and things that said egg sandwiches. I needed a different kind of food. But after I recovered, like for about four days when I was totally well and myself again, all I wanted was meat. I was like, Mm. give me the meat. It's like, Mm. my body was like, okay, let's rebuild some of that. It was craving it. And I listened and I don't normally eat giant meat, heavy meals, but my body told me I needed it. And so just as my body said, you don't want to eat meat right now when I was sick, 
it just wasn't appetizing. Once I was better, my body's like, all right, let's have some meat. Yeah, no. And that's, um, that's a good point. And also you talk about in your book, uh, you know, cleaning up the home, cleaning yeah. up the yard, you know, I really, and then one, one thing I will say, I really like too, about the book is, um, it's, there's almost like, you know, there's places in here where you can sort of journal Yeah. and, and I like that because a while back I did a journal, I, I wrote a journal, you know, the intermittent fasting journal, but, um, and here you can definitely fill out and, and put in your choices as far as what you're going to do. But you talk about cleaning out, um, cleaning out the house and the yard, um, and your personal care products, all that is so important, you know, and, and that's the whole thing that really led me down the rabbit hole being, being an intermittent faster and knowing that my body has that self-cleaning going on every day. You know, I was like, well, what about all the other stuff that we're putting in? And of course, if you start talking about it with food, you know, we're not putting in the artificial flavors, artificial sweeteners, we're not putting in the preservatives, but what are you putting on your skin? Right. You know, and we all know that the skin help is a delivery system for drugs. For example, like we've all seen the patch, you know, birth control sure. patches, the nicotine patch. We know that transdermal medication delivery and my, my husband, when he was getting his PhD in medicinal chemistry, one of the professors that he worked with, her specialty was transdermal medication applications that go in through the skin. So everything that you put on your skin goes into your skin. So when you're putting on, you know, your makeup and, and I started really, you know, I have a friend, Melanie Avalon, that's my co-host with the intermittent fasting podcast. And she's been talking to me about this for years, you know, even like the kind of makeup that she uses. And I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Then she sent me some, I'm like, okay, oh, wait, this is really good makeup. I like it. You know, it has to be good. That's, that's part of something I talk about in cleanish. It has to work. You know, right. we're not going to change things up and they don't work, but I was using it because I liked it and it seemed like a good thing. But the more I researched for cleanish, you know, endocrine disruptors in our personal care products. Oh my God. All it's over a huge the place. deal. It's yeah. huge. And the and detergent start, and the detergent, yes, right? You start reading it and you're like, oh, this really is huge. And so, you know, I changed all my cleaning products at my house and, you know, we're all victims of something called greenwashing. I talk about this in cleanish and I didn't realize how I had been so duped by <laughs> greenwashing. You know, I thought I was making good choices hmm. and I, I, cause I was buying products that, you know, had the green kind of labeling. And when I started looking into them, no, they had, uh, I use an app. I talk about it in cleanish environmental working group has a great companion app that lets you put things in and they, they give it a score and tell you why it might not be a good choice. And the, like this dish soap that I was using that I thought was a good choice. I think I got like a D or something. I'm yeah. like, what? Hmm. And so like the blue brand that we're all familiar with it, they use to clean the animals of the oil spills that actually got a higher score than this one that I thought was, you know, so clean and good and yeah, ewg.org, right? ewg.org. You can check if the product sort of meets these standards. And they have an app on the app store and it's really good. And um, it, I, I use it all the time now, but once I'm the kind of person that likes to, you know, get my core brands that, you know, like with the makeup that I use, I, they are like, so like, we do not put these things in our products. So I don't even have to research theirs. I just know they're good. If I buy anything they've got, I'm set. Um, and the same with like certain, you know, cleaning brands, you know, like the one that I use right now comes with a concentrate that you make all your other stuff out of, including, including your laundry detergent. It's super Mm -hmm. easy. And then you can, like, I use um, organic essential oils to give, you know, my counter spray a little pepperminty smell. So, uh, it, you know, but what you don't want is all those 
fragrances that they put in. Right. You want to find the fragrance free. Um, yeah. Cleaning supplies and the absolutely detergents and things like that. But even more so than that, they can call something, you know, they, they use, like they can say it's unscented or whatever, but then they're actually putting in masking agents to cover up. And so that's like even worse. So you just really have to make mm. sure and that that's why researching each thing, you know, like our laundry detergent that we were using, it was a free and clear kind of a thing. But still, when I really looked into it, it wasn't, wasn't it? And it, these are easy changes to make. You know, I want my laundry to be clean and not to have all the toxins in it. And once you find a brand that, that just works, it's easy. And you don't even, you're not really giving up anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. And these are things that you got to sort of just be your own, like you got to just be your own investigator on this stuff, because what you're going to hear in the mainstream is probably if it's in the mainstream and it's on TV, it's probably, you probably don't want to buy it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I know right. that, you're right. right. You really That's don't. very true. That's very true. And it just, once you, once you, you know, get into a good routine with it. And it, it's not necessarily going to be like super duper more expensive because the one that, that I use now, again, it comes as a concentrate. The ones you're buying at the store are mostly water. Mm. So here I am you know, with this concentrate. It, it ends up being pretty economical over time. And I know that I'm making a good choice. And I also don't need, you know, 82 different cleaning products from my house. This one concentrate that I'm using does everything. And oh, my, who's, what's the brand, if you don't mind? Well, the, I use Branch Basics. Branch Basics. Okay. Yeah, Branch Basics is what I've been using because they just work really well. You know, I actually I reached out to them and said, can I try your products? Send them to me. They look really good. And they did. And I love them. So oh, check it out. <laughs> yeah, Branch Basics. And and uh, they're all incentive, but I add, um, you know, essential oils to give them the scent that I like. Like I like tea tree oil for my bathroom cleaner because it just gives it that, you know, little, yeah, a little bit of, of clean smell, <laughs> but not in a, in a dangerous way. So what would you say, you know, with your book, you wrote it in three or four months, <laughs> what would you say the biggest message is that you want to get across to readers uh, when it comes out in one January? Yeah, it's that it's a process and that perfection is not required. You know, I, I talk about it and it's a concept that I, I first heard years ago when my son was having issues with, with food sensitivities and chemical sensitivities called the bucket effect. And it makes a lot of sense. We all have a bucket. You know, this, let's call this your toxic load bucket of what your body can handle. You know, as stuff goes into your bucket, your body can deal with it. You know, we've got all these self-cleaning mechanisms, but there comes a point where your personal bucket gets full. And then if anything else goes in it, it overflows. And now you're having all of these, you know, symptoms and problems and inflammation. So it's all about getting our, our personal bucket lower. So we're going to intentionally put less in, you're still going to come across toxins. You know, I went out to eat yesterday. I don't know what they've put in the food, what was in well, their food. Yeah. You know, I'm sure there was stuff in there. I wouldn't have at home right. and that's okay. Cause I intentionally put less in through my personal care products and through my cleaning products and through what I eat. Right. And so I also help my body self-clean through eating nutritious foods most of the time. And by doing intermittent fasting, I have a sauna, I jump on a rebounder, I have a vibration plate, stimulates my lymphatic system. All those things that I do, you know, help my body self-clean. And so that helps lower, you know, your, your toxic load in your bucket. So mm. you don't want to get um, to the point where you are just, you know, paralyzed by fear because, you know, it can be scary when you start hearing about endocrine disruptors and all, all, you know, all these chemicals that are everywhere and, you know, babies being born with these chemicals in their cord blood. You're like, oh no, we need to live in a bubble, but 
that's also not possible. We're living in this modern world, but it's just a matter of intentionally lowering what goes in and helping your body through self-cleaning and knowing that every time you make, make a choice, you're, you're helping in the long run. Yeah. It's all those little choices that you make throughout the day and it adds up over time. But it's again, like you say in the book, it's not about being perfect. Right. Uh, And, and, you know, even like, you know, I, you know, you hear all these health experts come on. I had, you know, like I said, I, Dr. Tanayman on, and you know, he's not a perfect eater. And I, I think that just needs to, I think with Instagram and everyone's got a perfect body, you know, it's just, I do not have a perfect I, body. <laughs> me neither. Although I'm trying to, no, okay. Um, I'm a 52 year old woman on the other side of menopause. I'm just embracing who I am now at this point, And that's okay. Right. Exactly. So embrace who you are. Yeah. Self-experiment as much right. as you can find what works for you and you'll come out on the other end. Right. Absolutely. And really learn to trust yourself. You know, if you have a hunch that, you know, something works for you or doesn't work for you, go with that. You, you, you've got all the wisdom you need. You don't need me to tell you what to eat. You don't need me to tell you, although cleanish will help you figure it out for yourself. You know, it's very much you know, at the end of it, you develop your own personal definition of cleanish eating and cleanish living. And then you choose the tools you want to implement into your life. Maybe one of them is intermittent fasting. Maybe it isn't. Maybe one of them is, you know, upping your vegetable intake, or maybe you don't want to do that. It's just a matter of choosing the tools that work for you and feeling empowered. You know, that's, that's really what I want people to come away from anything that I write, feeling empowered and not scared, feeling that you've got the tools and you've got the wisdom and don't ask me what to eat or when to eat it. Listen to your body. Well done. Well said. Um, well, I'm looking forward to the book coming out and I'm, I, I appreciate you sending me this cause I'm going to keep going through it. Um, so yeah, coming out in what is it? January, January 4th. 4th? Yeah. I'm so excited. That's great. It's really soon from today. I can't believe how fast December is going by. I know time <laughs> goes fast. Who's going to wrap my Christmas presents. I'm usually all done by now and I'm not done. I'm not. <laughs> well, you'll make it happen. Just like <laughs> it always happens. Right. Yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> All right, Jen. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was great. Second time around and perfect timing just for your new book to come out. So again, I appreciate everything. Thank you for having me, Brian. As you can guess, I could probably talk about it for like five more hours, but (laughs) (laughs) I know you could. Yes. Good. Well, thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I understand there are millions of other podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine and I appreciate that. Check out the show notes at briangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again and have a great day.